a single soul Reaching a further and stepping in closer Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Acts chapter 15 is a very interesting chapter and something I would call very stark and honest. We begin with conflict and then there are disagreements, uh, but it ends with unity and agreement. Uh, and we see picture of ministry and we're going to pick up from there today. But then there is further disagreement and finally separation by the end of today's passage. Now I'm going to be spending the bulk of my time uh, covering uh, verses 36 to 41. But before that, from verses 30 to 35, we see a wonderful picture of ministry in full swing. Some of the main characters of the book of Acts doing what they do best, doing what they are called to do, um, ministering according to their spiritual gifts and abilities. And the top two, the two that we see in action are prophecy. And this is uh, delivering uh, messages and the word of God directly from God to the body of Christ for the purpose of strengthening, encouraging, as we see here, encouraging and strengthening, uh, and to lead them to spiritual growth and maturity and repentance. And the second one is teaching, teaching the Word of God so that the body of Christ is growing in knowledge and in spiritual growth as well. And there is a real sense of joy as we see these people, you know, there's only a few words and few um, verses, but there is unity, there is joy as they are ministering and they are being ministered to as well, towards furthering uh, the fulfilling of the Great Commission and then even furthering the Kingdom of God. But as I said, as I mentioned before, there is a plot twist and so let's read the passage and then we'll continue. Acts chapter 15 verses 30 through 41. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Some time later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him, because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commanded by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now let's get straight into the drama that I mentioned. And there are only a few verses, but the separation between Paul and Cyrus and Silas and then Barnabas and Mark is very dramatic uh, and interesting. Uh, and the reason for this separation we see in verse 38. But Paul did not think it wise to take him, that's Mark, because he, Mark, had deserted them in Pamphylia and and had not continued with them in the work. Verse 39, and they had, so they, Paul and Barnabas, had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. 
Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyrus. Now, we're going to jump to the conclusion and the end. And, and it's, it's a, you know, it ends well, right? All's well, it ends well. Paul and Barnabas, they reconcile. We see this, uh, hints of this in 1 Corinthians and Colossians. And then Paul even comes to appreciate Mark and depends on him as a fellow minister. So, uh, so much so that Paul asks that Mark join him towards the end of his life. And we see this in 2 Timothy, Colossians, and Philemon as well. Now, furthermore, uh, many people still believe that John Mark, uh, in today's passage, is the author of the Gospel of Mark as well. And there are some um, evidences from the early church fathers, and many of the current Christian scholars and commentators uh, still believe this, even though there's a lot of uh, conjecture and you know, disagreement and argument uh, as well. Now, reading this separation, just a couple of um, verses reminded me of a more recent parallel in church history between two prominent Christian leaders. After the Reformation, and we just recently celebrated the 500-year anniversary, uh, there was one thing that the Reformers could not agree on, and that was the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist. And it was between two main Reformer, uh, Reformation leaders. There was Martin Luther, who you know, everyone knows, and a slightly lesser-known leader, maybe, um, Ulrich Zwingli. Now, ironically, Zwingli was actually even more of a proponent for Reformation than uh, before Martin Luther actually did his you know, thesis and nailed it on the door and stuff. Now, th the main problem here was that Luther, when he read the Bible and Jesus said, this is my body, when Jesus took the bread, this is my body, Luther took it literally. And basically, in a sense, much more Catholic view that there is literally the, the body and the blood of Christ in the elements when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take the Lord, um, the communion. Zwingli, on the, on the other hand, said, Jesus is resurrected and he is in heaven bodily, right? Because he ascended. Therefore, he could not have meant for us to take it literally, you know, thereafter, you know, until now, 2,000 years later, when he said, this is my body. Now, in the end, they could not agree, right? They agreed on basically everything else except this. And uh, it got so heated in their discussions and debate that um, Martin Luther, he didn't say this to Zwingli specifically, but he said it to someone else in Zwingli's party in his group. But he said, your spirit and our spirit cannot go together. Indeed, it is quite obvious that we do not have the same spirit. Wow, it's pretty strong. For there cannot be one and the same spirit where on one side the words of Christ are accepted in sincere faith, I think he's talking about his side, and on the other side this faith is criticized, attacked, denied, and spoken of with frivolous blasphemies, the other side. Therefore, as I have told you, we commend you to the judgment of God. Teach as you think you can defend it in the sight of God. Pretty dramatic words. Luther and Zwingli's relationship was broken and remained bad until Zwingli died first in battle. And after Zwingli died, uh, Luther is apparently quoted as saying um, that Zwingli's death, you know, dying first, proves that him, Luther, was right. Now, ironically, uh, the majority, if not most, all of the Protestant, you know, current Protestant Christians actually follow Zwingli's view, not Luther's view. Now, I am almost tempted to say that the division, this you know, division was within, was God's will. 
But, uh, you know, for sure what I can say is that God can and still does use despite our divisions and, dis- and differences. And in this sense, this is the very root of the Protestant denominations, the denominationalism that we have to this day. You know, we have Presbyterians, we have uh, Pentecostals and Baptists um, and so forth. But in today's passage, we see a still a yet better way. And we see the, a really good example of the interest between the interest of the individual or the work of the ministry as a whole, that which one should come first. And they take the work of the ministry uh, to come first. Now, the difference between uh, the example, the story that I just told of Luther and Zwingli and that of Paul and Barnabas was that with Paul and Barnabas, it was over a person. The disagreement was over a person, not a point of theology. Now, can you imagine the situation? Paul is the hero of the book of Acts. And he disagrees and he basically has judged Mark, this young man, to be unworthy to go to be in ministry with him. But Barnabas sees more opportunity and hope and wants to give more opportunity to Mark. And in the end, Barnabas was right, you know, versus the great Paul, right? Because um, Barnabas, uh, not Barnabas, Mark becomes Peter's assistant, helper, and interpreter. And still, a lot of people believe that this is the same Mark that wrote the Gospel of Mark. And later on, he went, uh, according to the early church fathers, he went to Egypt and planted and you know, founded the church there, and even in Alexandria, the city of Alexandria itself. Now, can you imagine if Mark was really just left behind? right, and judged not worthy, we may not have the gospel of Mark. We may only have three gospels. I mean, who knows, right? But Barnabas's hope in this man, in this young man, that even Paul, the apostle Paul, thought was unworthy. We see the fruit of his ministry and even Barnabas, Barnabas's hope and trust um, and building up the encouragement of this young man, the fruit of Mark's ministry is immense and it cannot be counted. And I think this is something really powerful that we need to accept, realize, and remember today. So from today's passage, we see the power and the stark truth that ministry is for people, by people first and foremost. The person you minister to today becomes tomorrow minister. And sometimes it's hard to see that because we think, you know, like what, what can he or she do? But we see such a powerful example uh, in Barnabas's hope and trust and encouragement of Mark and its fruit. And so today, something that I'd like, to, like us to think about is effectiveness and efficiency versus ministry skills and professionalism versus ministry. Which one is more important? And I hope that, you know, it might be different in different contexts and situations and for people and churches, but ministry, the overall picture of ministry that we need to keep in mind and the people, because remember, ministry is people, people. For people, by people, by people, for people. People come first in ministry, not just the effectiveness or the results or the numbers, or, you know, number-crunching statistics. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples of great 
uh, Christians, Lord. And we see even Paul, the Apostle Paul, making mistakes uh, and admitting to those mistakes uh, and reconciling with his brothers and the people that he did not trust for a while as well. And God, there may be you know, such situations and people in our lives and ministries and churches, God. And I just pray that through your Holy Spirit guiding and leading us, may we work towards the greater view, picture, and purpose of your ministry, of your kingdom work, rather than our personal preferences, trust, uh, ideas, uh, and so forth as well. May we be led by your Spirit at all times and your precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a world and stepping in closer, see Jesus.